Erev Tov, good evening. We are finally back to our shiur on Agadah. Tonight's shiur is sponsored by my parents, Lilunishmat, my grandmother, my father's mother, Sarah Halevi. Her neshama should have an aliyah Gan Eden. Eshat chayel mimzan v'archok mufinim micham v'archem mukol b'rodav v'yechus v'yechmon v'archem al nefesh o'ach unshama shon hifter b'shem tov minalam sabati Sarah shad rabat nadra. רוח אדוני תנחם בגלל נהי וחולות השובות עמד בכלל החמים והסליחות וכן יהי רצון ונאמר אמן. We are right now going to turn a new page in our exploration of Agadah. So just a brief reminder of the Mishnah that we were dealing with regarding the laws of Kiryat Shema. And the question that our Mishnah essentially is asking us is from when do we begin to read Shema Israel in the evening? The answer that our Chachamim give us is from when three stars come out. How do they tell us that? They don't say when three stars come out, rather the words they use, from the moment in which the Kohanim enter to eat their Tirumah. And then the dispute among our Chachamim is really, is it until the end of the first watch? Is it until Chatzot? Is it until dawn the next morning? That's the opinion of Rabban Gamliel. And we went back and forth through many different sources trying to understand exactly what this Mishnah is talking about. Today I wish to introduce you to another dimension, and that is the dimension of Harav Kuk. Maybe before I share anything, that he said, I wish to share a little bit about Rav Kook. Rav Kook is a very unique Tamikham, and I shared about him already in the beginning when we did his introduction to Agadah, the twin sisters of Halakha and Agadah. Rav Kook is interesting because in some circles you mention his name and it will arise uh, fury at you. How dare you quote Rav Kook here? There are some other circles in which you'll quote Rav Kook and they'll assume that you must be then one of them because you must be a chassid, a follower of Rav Kook. I make it very clear in this year as well as everywhere else that whenever I quote a Chacham, it's because that Chacham gave something to Am Yisrael that I believe to be valuable. I don't put myself in any camp other than that of a Kadosh Baruch Hu's, and there, I reserve the right, as well as any other Tamikham reserves the right, to disagree with each other, to accept that which we can accept, to, to disagree with that thing, those things which we can disagree with. In the words of Arav Peretz, though, Harav Kuk is one of the most underappreciated Tzadikim of his generation. Does that mean that we're students of Rav Kook? Not necessarily. But that means that we appreciate the greatness of the man who was Rabbi Avraham Yitzchak Ruen Kook. And just like in the past weeks we've explored the Talmud from different angles, tonight I also wish to explore the Talmud from the angle of Rav Kook, who is the first Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael. A brief lesson in history about Eretz Yisrael. We've had a chief Sephardic rabbi in Israel for a few hundred years now. So Arishon Tzion, that position was consolidated at some point during Ottoman rule with a Chacham Bashi, who was the chief rabbi of the Turkish Empire. Essentially, that becomes one and the same. And Sephardic Chachamim, Arishon Tzion, were always the leaders of Jewry in Eretz Yisrael. In the early 1900s, Harav Kuh comes to Israel and essentially sees a need for the Ashkenazi Jewish community to become organized in and of themselves. 
and becomes the Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Eretz Israel with the blessing of Rabbi Yaakov Meir, who was the rabbi of Avuziel, the predecessor of Avuziel, and who essentially welcomes him in to the chief rabbinate institution, which they modernize for an up-and-coming state of Israel. Where the rabbinate is today in its demise, sadly, uh, has seen the rabbinut has seen much more glorious days than what we currently have right now, like most formal offices in the world. It's important to know that Arav Kuk was not without controversy. Unlike in the Sephardic world, where our Chachamim were unanimously accepted by our Sephardic communities around the world, the fact that Arav Kuk was the one chosen to lead the Ashkenazi community, which was already fragmented and divided, and further became fragmented and divided with the move of secular Zionism into Israel and the advocacy of starting a new state of Israel, not everyone viewed Arav Kuk favorably. And whereas in the Sephardic circles, we agreed to disagree with stances of Arav Kuk and the Ashkenazi circles, those things became much more extreme and much more violent, as is the custom in the Ashkenazi community. That whenever there are disagreements, the next thing that follows is physical violence, emotional violence, all kinds of violence that ensues. Rabbinic violence is the theme. And Arav Kuk suffered tremendously at the hands of the Ashkenazi Jewish community, and particularly of that rabbinic establishment. Of course, there were many, many, many Tamilei Chamim in the Ashkenazi community who viewed Harav Kuk to be in very high regard. But I think that tonight you're going to be able to catch a glimpse into the world, that unique spiritual worldview of Harav Kuk and the way in which he approached things differently than other people. And he was able to see things that not everyone saw inside of a sugya. And so I'll start with this. The two main questions that Arav Kuk is going to answer for us tonight is what is the spiritual nature of these two types of Kiryat Shema? There's Kiryat Shema of the evening and Kiryat Shema of the morning. Kiryat Shema in the evening is what we say tonight, now. Kiryat Shema in the morning is what we'll say tomorrow morning. What we're dealing with right now, which of the Shema's are we dealing with right now in this Mishnah? From when do we read Shema in the evening? Right now we're focusing on the evening Shema. And this tells us there's something about the evening Shema that needs to be uncovered. The second question is, what do the Kohanim have to do with the evening Shema? When Rabbi Yudana is choosing to formulate this Mishnah, why doesn't he just tell us when three stars come out? Why does he tell us from the time in which the Kohanim entered the Tumah? We've discussed numerous other answers, from, ranging from, because that's a time that everyone knows. Everyone knows when, when do the Kohanim eat the Tumah, when three stars come out. Or ranging from, it's teaching us a double halakha. That's what the Talmud seems to imply soon. And that is that this is teaching us two things. One, when do you say Kirashma and three stars come out? And when do the Kohanim come to eat their Tumah when three stars come out? It's a double, it's killing two birds with one stone. Harav Kuk has an entirely different take on this Mishnah, and that's something that I wish to do tonight together with you. If you'll open up the PDF that I sent, it's an unlicensed copy of Harav Kuk's Enaya. So Enaya normally looks like this traditionally. If you'd open up the Enaya inside, you'd see the words of the Talmud on top with the Rashi commentary on the margins, and then Rav Kuk's commentary at the bottom of the page. This is a book that we'll be using probably heavily throughout our exploration of the realm of Agadah. 
Does everyone have the PDF in front of you? You'll find it in, attached to the Zoom invitation, whichever Google Classroom you receive this invitation. You're also going to find it in the classwork section. It should be titled, Enaya, Berachot, Rabbi Avraham, Mitzchak HaKohen Kuk. Everyone have it? By the way, for those of you who I can see your faces, I appreciate it very much. For those not, if you're willing to show your faces, it always makes the class a little more dynamic. Abutai, you have the PDF in front of you? Yes, thank you. Okay. You want to open up to the page there, which, uh, maybe you'll tell us which page is the first in the Mishnah. It's uh, Aleph. Um, I'll look for it right now. starts on page two. Okay. Is there an Aleph over there? What's the first word of the commentary? Hold on, I don't know where my copy went. Very good. So it's on page two. Perfect. Right. And there's a cursive Aleph over there. Haraf Kook says the following. From when do we read Shema Israel in the evening? From when the Kohanim entered their Tumah, this is the part of the Mishnah he's referring to. Let's unpack the words of Haraf Kook together. First we'll translate, then we'll understand. The two readings of Shema Israel, that of the evening and that of the morning, The two types of Kiryat Shema, reading the recitation of Shema, the word Kiryat means to read, it also means to call out. To call out. What do we say? I call out to you, I reach out to you, I call out to you. So just like there are two types of Kiryat there are two types of Kiryot, two types of calling out that are incumbent upon Am Yisrael in this world that we do in the name of Hashem. We have an obligation to accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu on ourselves. And while we are making HaKadosh Baruch Hu our King, our God, we have to use that action, that ultimately, that all of the inhabitants on earth should know, should recognize, that the God of Israel is the King. His kingdom is everything, is everywhere. So there are two types of Kiryat Shema. That of the evening and that of the morning. This word Kiryat Shema, recitation of Shema, 
automatically reminds us of another context in which we use the word kiriyah, calling out in the name of Hashem. This Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Enohenu, Adonai, Echad, that we call out on ourselves, and we accept HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our personal space, should ultimately lead us to call out for the rest of the world to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. To believe in one God, the God of Israel, in the way which HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the world to believe in Him. You know, I'm jealous sometimes of our cousins who are not afraid to get on loudspeakers and tell the whole world, Allahu Akbar, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is great. Can you imagine if Am Yisrael throughout the world would tell the whole world, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. If the world's reaction to hearing Shem Hashem would be Adonai Hu Elohim, Adonai Hu Elohim, like the prophets of the Baal with Eliyahu Navi. Can you imagine what would be in the world if what we said in Alenu Shabach, Yakiru Viedeu Kol Yoshevet Evel, that the whole world should know, that everybody will kneel to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everybody will bow down to you. If our personal Avodat Hashem, our personal acceptance of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's one calling out in Hashem's name. But there's another Kiryat Shem Hashem, there's another calling out in the name of Hashem, which requires us to spread this understanding of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the entire world. When I was in Israel, maybe two years ago, I was talking to Araperetz, Araperetz, when is the time to come home to Eretz Israel? What are rabbis supposed to do in Chutz anyways? What is our job? Araperetz is adamant that there are two jobs for every rabbi in Chutz The first, to teach Torah to the local Jewish community and to save them from assimilation. Assimilation doesn't mean intermarriage per se, it includes that, but to being lost from being lost, of the millions and millions of Jews that we have in the world. How many of them don't even know that they're Jewish? How many times do you go to a grocery store and somebody sees you, say, oh, you know, I'm also Jewish, and you see already it's two, three generations later, there's nobody in their family that's Jewish anymore. How many Jews do we find in the corner of the universe, and you say, where is HaKadosh Baruch going to send somebody? How is HaKadosh Baruch going to hold this person's hand and bring them back to Israel? This is especially true for Ashkenazi Jewry. For Sephardim, the vast majority of us live in Eretz Yisrael. And those that don't, Baruch Hashem, the Sephardic community, has managed, if not to stay observant, and at least to stay somewhat traditional. That won't last for another generation. In another generation, we're going to find ourselves in a similar situation to that of our Ashkenazi brothers and sisters. But for Ashkenazi Jews, out of 11 million Ashkenazi Jews, 10 million Ashkenazi Jews, the vast majority of Am Yisrael, how many of them are lost to Am Yisrael? We talk about six million Jews that were murdered by Hitler in Machshem of Zichor. What about the 10 million Jews that nobody even knows where to find them? So that's the first job, to keep Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael. And what's the second job? Second job, Haraperetz told me, the Geyer Gerim, to find people who are not Jewish, who desire in their heart and soul 
to become part of Am Yisrael. Ah, but I was also told the myth back in the day that the Jewish people don't proselytize. We're not missionaries. You could tell that to Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu, who's our father. He's Avraham HaIvri. We're all Hebrews because of him. Avraham HaIvri. He's sitting outside of his tent. Bechom Hayom in the heat of the day. To do what? To host guests. That's the story. Avraham Avinu hosted guests. But what did he do when he hosted guests? Everyone is familiar with it. And the souls that Sheikh Asad, he made him and his wife. Avraham Megayeret HaAnashim. Sarah Megayeret HaAnashim. Avraham would convert the man, Sarah would convert the woman. This is what they did. They made nefashot. They made people into neshamot. We're the children of Avraham Avinu. That's our other purpose on earth. So for so many years we told the world, we don't proselytize, we're not missionaries, in order to save ourselves, in order to protect ourselves, but now we're keeping this bluff on for so long that even the Jews believe that to be true. Even the Jews think that we're not supposed to tell the whole world. You have an obligation to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam and Sefer and Mitzvot explains to us how are you supposed to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu? What does it mean to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Rambam says that just like when you love somebody, you've ever been in the situation where you have two friends, they're really good friends, and you want them to be friends also. For whatever reason, they don't decide not to be friends. It's very hard. The whole life you're trying to get people. You want your parents to like your spouse. You want people to like your parents. You want your friends to like each other. There's a desire in people that those whom they love, they wish that other people will love them too. Just like a person says the Rambam loves someone and will always tell people how great they are, how wonderful they are, how amazing they are, in order so that they'll love them too. We have an obligation. How do we love HaKadosh Baruch Hu? To call out to the world and say, we wish for you to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu the way we love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's our desire. Many Chachamim, Havapelets included, Consider this to be an actual one of the 613 commandments to convert people to Judaism. It falls under the mitzvah To love HaKadosh Baruch Hu with all that you have, meaning to call out to the whole world to be part of Am Yisrael. By the way, it's not a novel interpretation. Chachamim themselves tell us, the Jewish people did not become exiled among the nations, except for so that converts can join Am Yisrael. That's the whole purpose we're in Galut in the first place. We are in Galut to bring the world back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says HaRav Kuk, there are two jobs that Am Yisrael has. The job of Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, this personal, and the job of Adonai Hu Elohim to call out to the whole world that the Kadosh Baruch Hu is God. Vihine begalut, and now we're talking about our exile. How 
which is similar to the evening. So now we're making another comparison. We're saying there's two types of Shema. There's also two times of day. There's night and day. And what corresponds to night? Galut. Throughout rabbinic literature you find that nighttime, darkness, exile are bound together. Daytime, light, redemption, those are all connected with each other. When the Jewish people are in Galut mode, the majority of our job as a people is to focus on ourselves. So that we can survive the waves that are constantly washing over us with the strength of the name of Hashem. Am Israel's job in Galut is to survive. Exile mode is survival mode. We'll do whatever it takes. Just at night, at night you wait until the morning. Your job is to tough out the night. Your job is to stay safe in the night until you can go back to do what you do tomorrow. Galut is the same way for Am Israel. Galut is a time in which we retreat from the world and rejuvenate and refresh and save ourselves for the next day. And that's why nighttime is a time of emuna. Who says that night is a time of emuna? Where do we find the pasuk that says that? Tell me. In the evenings, we discuss emuna. What does emuna have to do with nighttime? Our rabbis tell us in Masechet Berachot on page 12a, Mishelo Amar Emet Vemuna Arvit Lo Yatsai Somebody who didn't say the words emet ve'emunah in their evening prayers. What's emet ve'emunah? What are we referring to? Which part of the tefillah? Right after Shema Israel, emet ve'emunah. We say this uh, paragraph there. Someone who doesn't say those words did not fulfill their obligation. Nighttime is a time of emunah. Galut is a time of emunah. Kiryat Shema is therefore a time of Emunah. And therefore someone who says Kiryat Shema and did not say the words Emet Emunah did not fulfill their obligations to our rabbis. This is not a necessarily a halachic ruling. This is a spiritual understanding. This is a time of Emunah. If you are not aware, if you are not conscious of the fact that right now this Kiryat Shema, this calling out, is a Kiryat Shema for yourself to restore Emunah to yourself, you did not fulfill your obligation. Because for ourselves, inside of ourselves, inside of Am Yisrael, it is sufficient that which we receive and accept the emunah which our forefathers gave to us. That they saw eye to eye the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch and His glory. This is interesting because, and I'll explain in a moment why it's interesting. So let's connect some dots here. Kiryat Shema is referring to a certain type of calling out, not to the world, but to ourselves. It's the first half of the calling out in the name of Hashem to ourselves. Kiryat Shema is said in the evening. The evening is a time of galut. 
Galut is a time in which we focus on emunah of ourselves. And therefore Galut is compared to the evening, and we're talking about the Kriyat Shema of the evening. And on top of that, we know that one who doesn't say emet ve'emunah, one who is not conscious in their calling out of Shema Yisrael, if they're not conscious of the emunah that they're supposed to be bringing on themselves, then they do not fulfill their obligation of Shema at all. And let's add to that one more element, and that is that emunah suffices for Am Yisrael and Galut. All we need is what our forefathers did, what our forefathers saw, what our forefathers understood. Please don't think some fiddler on the roof tradition. That's not what I'm trying to pitch right now. There's a deep, heartfelt emunah. There are questions that young people ask today that my grandparents, tonight is my grandmother's askara, today, that my grandmother never struggled with, that my grandparents never struggled with. Not because they were lacking intelligence, not because they had no ability to ask questions, to the contrary. What worked for their fathers and their grandfathers and their great-grandparents, that worked for everybody. It was emunah baledot. They were in exile mode. In exile mode is survival mode. In survival mode, we're just focused on preserving our Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. But all that changes. All that slowly moves away. When? Interestingly enough, Am Yisrael abandons Emunah when? When we're faced with a return to Eretz Yisrael. We come to Eretz Yisrael, and all of a sudden, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of Jewish tradition, of observance of Torah mitzvot, seem to disappear overnight. This is Geulah. This is the beginning of our redemption. What, Am Yisrael has now entered redemption mode? What happened now? In the time of our redemption, in which the crown of Am Yisrael is lifted, that's when Am Yisrael transitions away from the personal emunah-based Kiryat Shema of the evening. And they transition towards the active Kiryat Shema of the morning. What do we say at the beginning? If in the evening we said Emet Vemuna, in the daytime Shema, the blessing we recite before that, Ahavarabah. No, this is an Ashkenazi. We say Ahavatonam. Same idea, love. I'm going to use the word that Rav Kook uses. Ahavarabah, tremendous love. Great love. So Savardim say Ahavat uh, Olam, uh, infinite love. Same idea. It's a time in which all the nations of the world will recognize that a Kadosh Baruch Hu, the light of Am Yisrael, is the light of the world. And therefore, it's at that point in Jewish history that the reasons of the Torah begin to be revealed. There's a transition in the type of Judaism. Things which were frozen and preserved for later generations will be revealed. 
there's an extra level of Torah, of understanding of Torah, which we are able to reach, ironically, once the emunah dissipates. And we're able to actively explore ta'amei mitzvot, ta'amei ha-Torah, the reasons behind the Torah. Why do we do what we do? Why is it that Am Yisrael believes what it believes? Why is it the Chachamim said the things that Chachamim said? We're bothered by a whole new world of questions that Emunah itself will no longer cover. Because Am Yisrael is at a new stage. It's transitioned away from the Kiryat Shema, the Emet Ve'emunah of the evening, and has now joined a universal calling out in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name. We have now become a light unto the world. Do you know what happens when we become a light unto the world? Now the world has questions. The world which doesn't have imuna, The world which wasn't raised inside of a home of a Saba, a Safta, a Babi, a Zaydi. Uh, that wasn't raised in a home of Torah, of Mitzvot, of a Lel HaSeder, of a Yom HaKippurim. This world has questions. Am Israel, why do you believe what you believe? Am Israel, why do you do what you do? All of a sudden, the Emunah answers don't cut it for the rest of the world. Now the Ahava Rabbah, the Ahavat Olam, is shining in the universe. And the world also wants to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The world also wants to love Am Yisrael. And now Am Yisrael is forced to deal, to answer, to ask questions that previously were not necessary. Not in this cocoon of Galut mode. And here says Harav Kuk something unique. In order to draw near to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, those who are distant. And I'm not falling now into the cliche of Kiruv Rechokim that's used in the current Orthodox climate. It's not what Harav Kuk is talking about. Those who are distant from an Emunah of forefathers. Ra'ui levarer divrei emet beviru. It's fitting that now in this generation, we have an obligation to get down, to analyze, to uncover truthfully all of the details surrounding this truth that we know from Emunah. And to translate these ideas, these concepts, to translate our Emunah, in the external language of the nations, in their frame of reference, with words they understand, with concepts that are palatable to them. In this time, in order to fulfill the second part of our mission of calling out HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name to the world, we can no longer just say, what worked for our forefathers worked for us. Now we're talking to a new world, a whole world, a world that wants to understand, a world that wants to know why but a world that is ultimately demanding from us to do that gut-wrenching work of digging into our own tradition and uncovering the facts, what's really there. Al-Ken, and it's for that reason, something beautiful. Emet v'yatsiv shacharit. That emet v'yatsiv, that's what we say right after we say Shema right? Emet v'yatsiv, v'nachon v'kayam, v'yashar v'neman v'ahuv. We say this whole paragraph. Meturgemet Aramit is translated from Aramaic. Which part of that tefillah is translated from Aramaic? Do you know? That prayer, if you look at it, is all in Hebrew. What was the question? It says that the prayer, Emet Viatsiv Shacharit, 
This emet v'yatsiv prayer that we say after Shema Yisrael is translated from Aramaic, from Aramit. Which part is translated from Aramit? Does someone have access to a Tanakh in front of them? Isn't it from Sefer Daniel? Very good. Tell me, tell me what happens there. Sefer Daniel, the sixth chapter, Pasuk Yud Gimel. What happens there? Someone has a Tanakh in front of them? Is it after the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Do you have a Tanakh? Someone here has a Tanakh? No, let me get one. The book of Daniel, Perik Vav. I didn't, I don't know where my Tanakh is. It must be in a different table here. The sentence took me a while to sit on. And I had a theory, by the way, this tefillah, was according to certain Jewish traditions written by the Jews in the exile, who sent this to the Chachamim in Yerushalayim to tell them, even though we've decided to stay in Babel, we, we still believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's why this stayed in our Sidu, this prayer of we believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our faith is loyal to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rabbi, do you have a chum, uh, Tanakh in front of you? I do. Daniel chapter 6, verse 13. You want to read it to us? Yes. It says, Hear these words. Ane Malka, the king answers, and what does he say? Yatsiva Milta. What does the translation say? Is Yatsiva Milta? Yeah, what is Yatsiva? What does it mean, Yatsiva Milta? Yetziv, no, Yetziv is a stab. What does Yetzivah mean here? Translation is emet. It's the truth. What you're saying is the truth. Emet v'yetziv are two words. It's Hebrew and Aramaic. Harav Huk is saying that this prayer contains two elements. Emet for us, Yetziv for the world. We have to know how to present our emet in the language of Yetzivah, in the language that is relevant, that is palatable, that is understandable by the rest of humanity. This teaching here, that right now when we turn into Kirat Shemashacharit mode, Amisal has to change gears. Amisal has to realize we're not just talking to ourselves. By the way, I'm going to add here, not just Goyim. In Amisal itself, we have Jews already that need to be retaught. Emunah is not enough. That Amisal has to figure out the tools, the language in which to logically and coherently explain our faith to the world. Israel. Maybe here, we're getting to the next concept. So I'll summarize. There's two modes. There's Kirat Shema Shel Arvit, Galut, exile, darkness, cocoons, emunah. Our focus on preserving our emunah until we reach the morning. Kirat Shema Shacharit. The etgar, the challenge that's in front of Am Yisrael right now, is how do we bring the message of HaKadosh Baruch to humanity? in a language that's universal. How do we bring these teachings that the whole world desperately needs to the point where 
they'll, they'll recognize, and they'll know all of the inhabitants on the earth. How do we get the whole world to kneel, to call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Obviously not through force, through persuasion, through conversation, through explanation, through dialogue. How are we going to do that with the terms that we have, with the tools that are in our toolbox right now? What you're looking at right now is not just an Am Yisrael that has not been able to preserve itself. Out of the 13, 14 million Jews on earth, how many of them have remained emet ve'emunah? But we seem light years away from being able to explain our emet in a language of yatsiv, in a language which the rest of the world can understand. Can you imagine if the whole world wanted to know about HaKadosh Baruch Imagine what that would do to Am Yisrael that wasn't sure if they want to know about HaKadosh Baruch Now look around. I tell those people in my kila who are Geret Tzedek, Every time we have a celebration here, I say, you are the ones who are going to educate my children. You are the only ones who have the answer of why I left that world for this world. You are the inspiration to my children. Because you have the tools. You have the language. You have the understanding that is needed. And so how does this tie into Kohanim? What is Kiryat Shema of the evening? Kirat Shema of exile have to do with Kohanim, which apparently only serve in the Bet Mikdash. That's what seemingly that's what you think, right? The Kohanim are connected to redemption. The Kohanim are not connected to exile. So, what is the connection between the Kohanim entering to eat their Tevumah and how that triggers in us exile mode? What do those two things have to do with each other on a spiritual plane? Asked Tzav Kook. Let's read together in the middle of this paragraph. Israel. The Jewish people are the Kohanim, priests, I don't like that word. But we're the messengers of HaKadosh Baruch in the world. Let's use a better word. If I would translate Kohanim, Am Yisrael are the ambassadors of HaKadosh Baruch in this world. That's what we are. We are the ambassadors. We're not the only good people on earth, but we're the ambassadors. We don't have a monopoly on ethics. We don't have a monopoly on morals. We have a monopoly on being HaKadosh Baruch ambassadors. We have a message for the world. Just like the Kohanim. The Kohanim have a special part of the Bet Mikdash that no strangers can enter. The Kohanim do things that other people cannot do with them. The Kohen Gadol, who is the head of all the Kohanim, has places where he enters that even the other Kohanim cannot enter. The Kohanim who are about seclusion. The Kohanim are about maybe being in a loftier place, but alone. The Kohanim wear two hats. The Kohanim have their inner chambers, what they do, and what they do for Am Yisrael. The Kohanim have other jobs. By the way, I'm a Levi, we're from the tribe, the Kohanim are part of us also. The Kohanim have two other tasks. Not just the service of the Bet Mikdash, the internal jobs of the Kohanim, but an external job of teaching Torah to the people. That's the job of the Levin. That's the job of the Kohanim. Im Kohen The lips of the Kohen are the ones that teach us Torah. When the Kohanim 
engage in the teaching of Torah, or even when the Kohanim engage in the offering of sacrifices on behalf of the people, they leave their inner chambers, they leave their galut, they leave their exile mode of internal affairs. They change gears. The Kohanim are the experts at having an internal community, an internal social network, and then an external face. They have two faces on them in a positive way. Now they're dealing with foreigners. They're dealing with other elements of Am Yisrael. They're dealing with 70 nations that come to Yerushalayim to offer offerings to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to learn from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to learn from the people of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Kohanim are our, if we're ambassadors, the Kohanim are the head of the embassy. Shehem al kol panim osim avoram. The Kohanim ultimately are working for the masses. Shiluchei didan o shiluchei darachamanam. Like it says in Masechet Yoma, the Kohanim are our messengers or HaKadosh Baruch Hu's messengers. Avad shiluchim hem. Nonetheless, they're messengers, they're ambassadors. Omnam be'et k'nisadam nechol b'teumah. But when the Kohanim leave the public realm and they enter to eat their teumah, who's allowed to eat teumah? Who's allowed? Only Kohanim are allowed to eat teumah. Hem nichnasim le'olam ha-Kohani kulo. They enter a world which is only Kehuna. They enter a world which is only Kohanim. They enter a world which is just theirs. V'asur li'shtatef im hazar klal. They're not allowed to share from their Tiruma with anybody who's a stranger to the world of Kehuna. Ki en dezar chelek b'achina zo klal. That person who is not a Kohen has no connection, has no need, has no right to engage in that realm of kehuna that is the eating of the tirumah. And therefore the Kohen makes a separation between himself and the rest of the world, even the rest of Amisai. Now you can begin to understand the comparison to the Kohen with Amisai. You have this time, general time of Arvit. It causes the Jewish people to retreat to a world which is lonely, which is just Am Yisrael. Why? Because we're in the mode of protection. We're protecting our spiritual and holy gifts. It's an internal life which HaKadosh Baruch Hu dwells inside of there. His presence is found. And therefore there is a relationship, a connection between the Shema of the evening and the Kohanim who also have their own Galut mode, their own mode in which they protect their own spiritual gifts, in which they don't allow the whole world to know. It's their own Kodesh Kodeshim. It's their own Holy of Holies. Am Yisrael and the Kohanim are one. The Kohanim are a magnified version of Am Yisrael. And they wear two hats. And they wear those hats loyally. They wear those hats with pride. There are gifts that they keep for themselves, and there are gifts for the whole world. There are gifts for Kohanim, and there are gifts for Am Yisrael. And the Kohanim are able to transition very easily between the internal part of the Kehuna and the external part of the Kehuna between internal affairs and foreign affairs. And it's very important for Am Yisrael to learn how to function like this too. We sometimes get caught up, people say, well now, 
now you've solved all the problems in the Jewish community, now you want to focus on the rest of the world? Yeah. It doesn't take away one from the other. It doesn't take away one from the other. We have two jobs. We're going to work on both of them. But they work in tandem with each other. Yes, there are things that belong in the realm of Am Yisrael exclusively. So what? That doesn't take away from us our need, our obligation to leave the realm of Kiryat Shema Shel Arvit, the Galut, the exile, and enter into a world of a blossoming of redemption. A world in which the Torah must be taught, the Torah must be shared, the Torah must become relevant to the rest of humanity. You know, recently, I gave a shiur after Sukkot, what happened here in the community. I was asked by the larger San Diego community to give a, a class, which would be about a Jewish concept that was relevant to the rest of the city. There were some mayoral candidates there, or there were a number of people in that class. Not everybody Jewish, many Jews, many people who are not, of many different faiths. And I was given this challenge. How do I teach the mitzvah? of do not have hatred in your heart. How do I take a verse from Vaikra and explain it with commentaries, with Shulchan Aruch, with Rambam? How do I explain this mitzvah in a language, in, a, in, in terms that are understood by the rest of the world? You reach difficult passages which talk about not hating Jewish people in your heart. What do you do then? What about the rest of the world? Rabbi Chaim David Halevi once spoke about the fact that our Chachamim told us that Mefarnasim Aniyegoim Mimaniyei Yisrael We give charity to the poor who are non-Jewish just like we give char- charity to the poor that are Jewish. Because of ways of peace. We want to be peaceful with everybody. We don't want people to hate us. We don't want them to think that we only care about Jews. Rabbi Chaim David Halevi says that it's Ultimately, Am Yisrael must reach a point in which we do charity with all human beings because we see value in being charitable to all human beings. We see value in being part of humanity, not just being part of Am Yisrael. It's a shift Am Yisrael has to make. It's 2,000 years of not being wanted. 2,000 years of being despised. 2,000 years of being excluded. All of a sudden, Am Yisrael is at the forefront. Am Yisrael has an opportunity to include, to bring in, to teach, to share, to give from that which we are allowed to give to the rest of the world. And these are two different modes that Am Yisrael has. Kiryat Shema Shel Arvit, Kiryat Shema Shel Shacharit. And that's why the nighttime is the Kiryat Shema of the evening, the Galut, the Emunah. And the daytime is that of redemption, of sharing, of bringing out gifts to the world. And therefore, says Rav Kuk, I've answered both your questions. What is the spiritual significance of evening, of Kiryat Shema of the evening? What is the spiritual significance of morning, of Kiryat Shema of the morning? And ultimately, why do the Kohanim, why are they invoked the seemingly redemption-minded Kohanim, a Ben-Mikdash? Why do we invoke the term when the Kohanim entered their Tehumah, when discussing the exile mode, Kiryat Shema Shalavit? Well, there you have your answer. Because the Kohanim also lived this dual life of knowing to retreat to a holy place where only they are allowed, and also sometimes coming out to the world and sharing and giving and serving and being there for them. Hashem, I hope that this idea of Arav Kuk will sit with you. You'll think about it. You'll 
work it over in your minds until next week's shoe. Because what we've said tonight should open up an entire box of thoughts, of, of questions that come out of this writing of Rav Kook and the relevance that Torah mitzvot have for the rest of the world. Bezat Hashem, until next week, you have seven days to think about it. And God willing, I look forward to bringing in a different idea next Thursday night for our Shul and Agadah. Abodai, thank you for learning with me tonight. I wish everybody a Shabbat Shalom Mubarak. If anybody has any questions, I'm more than happy to stick around and be here if anybody has anything they want to bring up. Thank you so much.